It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. On today's program, we'll get you the very latest on the COVID pandemic in our region. More optimistic news to share. Plus, it won't be long before children will be eligible for vaccinations. We'll get you the latest on that as well. Also today, if you know someone who is looking for work in healthcare, we'll share with you some in-person hiring events that will be happening soon in both the Tri-Cities and in Walla Walla. First, a COVID update with Heather Hill of the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, as we come on the air this evening, I know the last few weeks we've been using the term cautious optimism because the data, you know, has been seemingly promising. But uh, now, after a couple of weeks of this, are we starting to see a positive trend that we can be a little more optimistic? Sure, Jim. I think we can absolutely say that we're trending in the right direction. Like we've said throughout this whole pandemic, don't look at just brief snapshots of what the data is doing, but do look for trends of, of several weeks, and we're now into our fourth week. We're, we're seeing that downward trend in both Benton and Franklin County, and combined it's about a 25% downward trend from last week. So definitely heading in the right direction, but we're always using that, that term cautiously optimistic because, once again, you know, Delta variant heading into um, – Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas, there are still lots of opportunities for people to pass this to each other through celebrating and getting together and, and gatherings, as well as you know school activities outside of the classroom still continue to be a little bit of concern. But you know, back to the good news, it is definitely trending in the right direction. However, the data again, is still high. We're at 478 per 100,000 over 14 days in Benton County, and Franklin County is at 518. And historically, we'd like to see that get below the 200 mark. So we're not up in the 1,000 like we were a few weeks ago. Um, But yeah, good news is we're trending the right direction. And I was going to say on both of those stats you just gave, I remember it wasn't too many weeks ago that both counties were over 1,000 per 100,000, and now it's half half of that. But again, I think we were chatting a, a few weeks ago, going back even a full year, some of the rates that they were wanting to get to for some of these openings were down even below 100 per 100,000. Is that right? So I guess it's all relative. It is, absolutely. And that's why we keep saying don't let your guard down. Vaccinations continue to be extremely important uh, to stop the spread in our community. And all those mitigation strategies that we've talked about, particularly the being very cautious with gathering in groups, social distancing, wearing face coverings, all of those plus vaccinations are still needed just to keep this trend heading the right direction. And I think I know the answer that you will give, but I want to ask it anyway. Because of the success that we are seeing, is I'm guessing it's a combination of all of these things that have been so important to stress the last several weeks is get the vaccination wear your masks, be careful where you gather, and all of those things, right? You're, you're right. Um, one alone isn't really going to fix the problem. 
we really need to focus on doing multiple mitigation strategies and across the entire community to really see a dramatic effect. And I, and I guess one more data point to, to talk about, and that's in the testing. I remember it wasn't too long ago that it was over 25% positivity of people getting tested, and now I'm seeing the data you're sharing with me, it's down below 14%. Right, and that, again, is another really good um, direction for a trend. Our CDC West test site, they've processed around 7,000 tests in the past 14 days, so we're, we're still seeing good numbers coming in for testing. And so when we look at that just under 14% positivity rate, that's still on a large number of people, so it's a good size population getting tested that we're able to get that data on, but it was a decrease of about 1.5% from the previous week. So, again, another trend heading in the right direction. I wanted to have you touch on, you You kind of did a little bit, but these age groups of, of, of tests or of positive cases, I should say, and then and then where you're having outbreaks. What's the latest on those? Is it still these these younger age groups where you're seeing the most uh, positive uh, positive cases? And then where are you seeing the these outbreaks? We're still looking a lot at that that. Five to 39-year-old age group is, is certainly um, quite high, but then when we, we look at the 20 to 39-year-old, um, that's where we really still, that, that little group right there is still pretty high, and we would like to see it decrease uh, a bit more to start feeling that we're trending in the right direction there. They account for actually the biggest source of spread, in, in our community is that 20 to 39-year-old age group. And so where we could do a lot of work to help mitigate the spread is having those people get vaccinated and continue to do those mitigation strategies and be careful who they're hanging out with. And I know one area of concern in spite of the, the promise that we are seeing is in the area of people passing away. And I think uh, you gave me a sobering statistic that in Benton and Franklin counties there have now been more than 500 people who have died of COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. That's right, and and I never really honestly expected to see that high a death rate, uh, so it is a bit, a bit sobering, and that's uh, for Benton and Franklin counties combined. And I think it's important for people to understand that when we, we present data like this, it truly is people who are residents of Benton and Franklin County. We know that our hospitals do bring in people from surrounding counties and states, and if those people happen to die within one of our facilities, we don't count them. We only count in our data those people who have proven residents. They meet the criteria for residents. They meet the criteria that they tested COVID positive and that COVID was uh, a cause of the death. So I think that's an important thing to understand when we're looking at our data. Vice versa, we've had, um, you know, the unfortunate circumstance where some of our residents have been transported out of state to receive care, especially at those times when hospitals were so greatly overcrowded. Um, so if we would get a call from, say, a hospital down in the Portland, Oregon area that we had a death of one of our residents, that data actually eventually comes up here and becomes part of our data as soon as we're able to confirm all the data points that we make sure that, yes, they fit the criteria to be considered a Benton or Franklin County death. 
And so, yes, we unfortunately hit that 500 uh, deaths last week. And um, you know, we still have a few more months this year to go. And we've already beat all of the 2020 deaths. So we're unfortunately farther ahead on our deaths than we were a year ago at this time. So people, while think seeing declining numbers uh, here in the last week or two and will continue to do, we may not see, we, will, we may continue to see more deaths coming. Right, because we know that our death data really does lag kind of our, our disease trends because we're collecting data to report out that can be several weeks old by the time we're able to actually get that very accurate data that we want to present to, to our public. And back before we uh, end this particular segment, one, again, promising statistics. I know as for our colleagues and working in the hospital setting, thankfully those numbers are down much lower than where they were. Mid-80s, I know, at Cadillac back in September, and now I think the last I saw earlier this week, it was in the 20s. So that's incredibly great news for all these healthcare workers. That's for sure. Um, a lot of hard work has been happening in the hospitals and, again, trending the right direction. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. When we come back, we're going to get into vaccinations and where things stand there and some other important information that you need to know relative to vaccinations. Back with more of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. A reminder, if you missed any of our program, Cadillac on Call is available on podcasts. Just enter search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast platform. Continuing our discussion with Heather Hill of the Benton Franklin Health District. And seems Wednesday's a good news day to uh, break news relative to COVID, Heather. I know the FDA just came out this afternoon nationally uh, allowing for approval of the boosters for both the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. How soon might we see those available here in our community for people? Well, the typical timeline for approval of these products has been initially FDA approval, and then the ACIP group meets, and they go over the data, and they will decide, and typically they approve is what has, has been the trend so far, and then it needs to go in front of the Center for Disease Control. So once all of those three bodies have approved the change, then it's available. However, in Washington State, um, there is one more step that happens, and that is with the Western State Scientific Pact. It's a group of states, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Colorado, California, and I believe Arizona, um, they as a group, brought their scientific experts together, and then they look at the data to make that final determination that, yes, we agree with what was presented. So uh, these steps are in place just to assure that nothing is missed. Everybody in, you know, the science community who knows more than most anybody about vaccines, they will all make the decision as to what to do. And each Step takes, you know, a couple of days, and then another group looks at it, and they can take 24 to 48 hours to, to give their ruling on it. 
And so we would expect, you know, maybe into next week or the following week at the latest that we'll start seeing those final approvals happening for um, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. I think it's important so that people understand that when they get their Moderna, it will be a half dose. That's what was different with Moderna is their approval came out at a half dose compared to what the first two doses that a person got. So don't be surprised if it looks like there's a little bit less inside that syringe when you get that Moderna shot. They felt that there was such a robust immune response from the two doses of Moderna that to give that boost, um, only a half dose was needed on the, on the Moderna. And then both Moderna and Pfizer are six months after their completion of the series. And Johnson & Johnson, actually, FDA came out with a second dose after two months. So just slight differences. And the only other thing I think, if I read that right today from the FDA, was that if you got, say, a Moderna vaccine the first time uh, and even the second time, you could conceivably get a Pfizer version on a booster and vice versa. Is that right? Right. Uh, they're definitely going to be coming out with some some rulings on that and some information on that. And, you know, is it safe to mix and match? Does it give you a good immune response? Looking at the data and making sure that they're getting the right information. But but we expect that it will definitely come out probably as a, as a mix and match. It's still best to get the same uh, brand that you got. But mixing and matching certainly does not appear to hurt a person. Quick comment, if you would, on where we are with the 5 to 12-year-old, the children's ability to get vaccinated. Right. The FDA is is uh, anticipating, I believe, meeting at the end of this month. And then the exact same approval process happens. FDA makes their ruling. And then the ACIP and then CDC. And then once again, our Western State Scientific Pact. So earliest we would expect to see anything final on that is probably on into early November. I want to touch really quickly, if I could, on our latest vaccination rates, uh, percent of people vaccinated, the numbers that I've been using recently, the percent of the population fully vaccinated, trying to be apples to apples here. The state of Washington fully is 59 percent. Benton County reports 48%, Walla Walla County 43%, or I'm sorry, Walla Walla County 53%, Franklin County 43%. And again, this is the percent of their total population that is fully vaccinated. I know these numbers are slowly inching up, but one thing I wanted to have you address, uh, again, these these national stories imp- uh, impact us as well. Um, former General Joint Chiefs of da- Staff Chair Colin Powell, Secretary of State, passed away earlier this week. And I know a lot was made was the fact that he was fully vaccinated, but he also had some pretty significant underlying conditions. Give us your perspective on all of that, if you would. Sure, Jim. I know a very sad situation, but unfortunately, to be expected. Uh, These vaccines are not 100% foolproof, and everybody's bodies respond differently. And then there are those people that we've talked about through the entire pandemic with regard to vaccines, is there are some people who, um, such as, as Colin Powell, had multiple myeloma, cancer that attacks our plasma cells. And as a result, um, the cells that make the antibodies 
just don't work in this situation. So whether it's disease-produced or whether it's vaccine-produced, a person with that type of cancer is not going to have as good of an immune response to, you know, particularly this vaccine. And that appears to be, unfortunately, what happened to this person. Again, um, expected. It's very unfortunate. The good news is the vast majority of people who get vaccinated, it does prevent death. It does prevent um, a severe illness. We have seen locally some people who were vaccinated and have, quote, breakthrough cases. But again, when you look at um, their underlying health conditions, there's reasons why perhaps that vaccine, not only COVID vaccine, but any vaccine will not impart as good of an immune response in that individual because of their underlying health conditions. And multiple myeloma is at the top of the list. And that's why it is so important. We keep saying time and time again, it takes all of us that can get vaccinated to get vaccinated so that these people who don't have as good immune response to vaccines are better protected. I was going to say, so that's the point. I know on one hand, it's oh the question and the criticism that, oh, these breakthrough cases limit the effectiveness of the vaccines. And then on the other hand is the fact that... Uh, that people in the older age group are the most vulnerable. So to really, as you say, to hammer home the importance that, you know, this does affect other people. Yeah, we all live in a community and unfortunately have to accept um, the fact that there are risks out in our community and we need to do whatever we can to, to stop that spread and vaccination certainly does help protect that vulnerable person in our community who, for whatever reason, doesn't have as good of immune response or for some reason they absolutely cannot take the vaccine, then they're counting on the rest of us to do what we can do to help protect them. And just a minute or two left before we let you go, but with all this promise, uh, I know we're heading into the, the the holiday season, the party season, the Halloween and, and Thanksgiving and Christmas, obviously, the colder weather and all of those factors. But as we sit here kind of on the precipice of getting back to a more uh, normal, normalized world and less stress on our healthcare system, we still need to be very conscious of these things that seem to be working. And all the while we're able to go to ball games, go to restaurants and, and have more normal lifestyles, but it's still uh, recommended to use these mitigation strategies. Right, because we're still seeing outbreaks in various situations, long-term care, um, large gatherings. We're not seeing outbreaks still, which is great, related to school um, classroom environments. Our outbreaks and our cases in the school environment really are related to those extracurricular activities or those environments where kids are gathering outside of a school-sanctioned event. So as we head into the holidays, it is going to be so important not to let our guard down. Data is trending the right way, but it doesn't mean we can stop. We have to keep doing all of these mitigation strategies to keep our trending the right direction. And if we can, like we've talked about, we can at least, uh, for lack of a better phrase, strike the right balance that we can keep these numbers manageable and low, but at the same time still not impact our lifestyles so strictly. Right. And, and again, understanding that COVID is here for the long run 
And probably for quite some time to come, we're going to continue to need to practice a lot of these safety measures because COVID is not going to go away very soon. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks always so much for your time. Back with the second half of Catholic on Call right after this. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. It's been well documented that the toll this pandemic has taken on the healthcare workforce over the past 20 months, it's a challenge the healthcare industry, though, has faced long before COVID. Needs for various clinical specialties, including nurses, doctors, therapists, technologists, and support staff. And the strain of COVID and hospitals and healthcare organizations are certainly now has been placed in a hiring mode, which I guess is good news for people in the in the job seeking mode in healthcare. And so as a result, in late October, Cadillac and Providence will be holding two in person hiring events. The first is Wednesday, October twenty seventh. From 2 to 7 p.m., it will be held at the Richland Community Center, which is located off George Washington Way near Howard Eamon Park in Richland. The second will be the following day, October the 28th, at the Marcus Whitman Hotel in Walla Walla, with the same hours, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. And here to share more about what kinds of people they are looking for at both locations is Toby Sutton. He is the Chief Human Resources Officer for both Cadillac and Providence St. Mary in Walla Walla. And first of all, Toby, welcome to the Tri-Cities. Uh, we'll get into a little bit about uh, the newness that you're you're a newbie to this part of the uh, Northwest. But I want to touch, first, first of all, on the reason why you're here is to talk about these in-person fairs. First of all, we've given about when they're going to be, but the fact that they're in-person is, one, I'm sure, attractive, and two, you're going to be having a lot of different people there uh, providing opportunities to interview people and candidates for work. Yes, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me. You're welcome. And the the big thing, I think you really touched on it. The um, the healthcare industry as a whole has really faced a lot of challenges over about a good two plus year span. So, with trying to get staffed, if you will, is is not something that's new. It's actually something we've been battling with for quite some time. And then it was only amplified by the pandemic because. Um, quite frankly, people are just tired. They got tired, and trying to battle something as ruthless as, the, as a, you know, a virus and a pandemic is exhausting. And so, basically, um, we're trying to get back to our grassroots and bring back that human, that human interaction, that human touch that um, that we used to be able to have when we were trying to hire people and, and get people in our staff. And so by doing it in person, I think this is a great step forward. Um, we're finally to a point where we believe we can do it safely and, and it's, uh, uh, keep socially distanced. Obviously, we'll need to be wearing our masks. But like you alluded to, I think that um, having it in person is just a great benefit to uh, doing something virtual. We're going we're gonna to actually have that human touch and that human element and be able to really connect with people. And I was, I was going to say, if you would, uh, you know, in, you touched on the fact that this has been going on for some time. I can recall, especially I know all across the country, the, the nursing 
shortage has been an issue for, gosh, decades now. And so I know, you know, nurses and doctors are among the those two areas that are that are in needs all across the country and here in the Tri-Cities as well. But there are other areas in the healthcare workforce that are available for people looking for work as, as well, right, Toby? Yes, absolutely. Um, we all hear um, and we know that we do act, we, we all, all healthcare has a nursing shortage. We need physicians. Um, but there's so much more to delivering that high quality care to the community. And we are, um, just like all healthcare, we're short in all these areas. We need everybody from certified nurse assistants to uh, front office assistants. We need medical assistants. We need lab techs, phlebotomists, you name it. We, we have a need. And so that's, um, that's been pretty common over the last year or so, but maybe not as highly publicized. And I was going to say, uh, you know, I suppose uh, if someone is out there uh, looking to uh, either looking for some sort of work or maybe entering the healthcare workforce, um, it's a good opportunity for them to, to go out and, 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 and one, uh, make a living and get a job, but two, uh, experience what it's like uh, to to healthcare and potentially even make it a longer term uh, career than maybe they were thinking. Yes, absolutely. Healthcare is it, it's a great, rewarding career. Uh, that I can one hundred percent say. The we we have we have physicians that are entry level. You don't have to have a skill set. And one of our big hiring philosophies since. Since I know I've come on board, I keep stressing to the team is we want to hire based on people's character. Um, we can train people. We can teach them how to do the job. But, you know, that deep-rooted character, that high level of integrity, those are the people we want on our team um, here to help and serve the community. And in many ways, has what we have seen in the pandemic over the last 18 months and, and the incredible work that especially the frontline staff has provided, but it has also shined the light on the importance of people who work in environmental services or housekeeping or working in food and nutrition, delivering the meals, cleaning the rooms, the plant operations, the facilities people. So in many ways, it really has shined the light on the need all across these uh, workforces. And, you know, they may not even be necessarily totally healthcare focused, but you can bring that skill set, as you said, to healthcare. Absolutely. Um, the... We we hear a lot about healthcare in the front line, but there's also it's such an operation. There are so many other people that make it work, and just like you alluded to, when you, you start looking at just across the board, we housekeeping, food and nutritional services. Um, if you can't clean a room in time and turn it over, then you can't help the next um, the next person. And so it takes a team effort. It takes everybody involved, and that's why. It's it's such a key to make sure that we can get staffed in the correct way. I mean, it's been a few years, and and I think it's time we need to go do get back to our grassroots efforts and connect with people in person. And that grassroots begins. It's October twenty seventh here in the Tri Cities at the Richland Community Center, located off George Washington Way near Howard Eamon Park in Richland. That's on the twenty seventh from two to seven, and the following day at the Marcus Whitman Hotel in Walla Walla, the same hours from 2 to 7 p.m. And, Toby, you touched on the in-person nature of this. What would, if, if I'm a prospective job seeker, what would I expect when I walk into one of these two events? Yes, so um, that's kind of it. We want, 
we, we don't want to put a ton of restrictions on it. We want to have conversations with anybody that would like to come down and just talk with us and have, um, just inquire and get more information. By all means, bring a resume. Um, if you don't have a resume handy right now, that's fine too. Come on down. We're going to have in-person interviews. And so there'll be people there to, to actually connect with and, and have those conversations. And we're also going to have some technology. Uh, so if you're having some trouble navigating our website, being able to put in an application, we'll have some people there that can help get you started and pointed in the right direction. Uh, and then also language interpretation. So we'll have, we'll have uh, Spanish speakers um, on site. We will also have a device that can do an additional 40 languages for interpretation. So we wanted to really break down any barriers that would be for, for people looking for a career. And theoretically, could someone leave with a new job? Yes, absolutely. Um, if, if the connection is made and it's the right person, right fit, everybody, um, there could be on-the-spot offers, absolutely. We can certainly get there. And I just wanted to touch on one other thing. We're, we're going to have sign-on bonuses also for a lot of our positions. Um, and so we can offer those to our prospective caregivers. We're also, we offer great pay. We offer great benefits. So it's a very good career to get into just to make sure that you take care of yourself and take care of your family. And then we, we have tuition reimbursement. And like I kind of alluded to before, we invest in, we invest in our people. Our culture is that um, we want to make sure and see people be the best they can possibly be. And so we have professional development programs to teach the skills and help people actually get to where they want to be. And if you would, on that point of, of the development piece, I've heard that term tuition reimbursement. What does that mean? So people who they can actually be going to school and, and learning, but at the same time uh, have that education paid for in some respects? Yes, absolutely. We uh, So depending on – it doesn't really – any career path – a caregiver wants to go to. Uh, we 100% support them. It may not even be in the current area that they're working for us at the time, but um, we still want to invest in them, and we still uh, want to see them actually get to wherever they want to go. And so they might be um, working in nutrition for us here at Cadillac, but they want to be a business professional. 100% go to school. And we'll reimburse tuition and, and help you out and help you achieve your goals. And I, could, I should say, I can vouch for just a few weeks ago, one of our intensive care unit nurses appeared on our program, and she has been an intensive care unit nurse for three or four years, but she started out late in her teens working in the food service area at Cadillac. So that was where she began, and she is, as you say, it's it's not where you start, it's where you finish, right? Absolutely, yes, that's... That's 100% it, and our culture lends to investment in people. Um, and at the end of the day, that's, that's what we all stand for. That's, all, that's our calling. And so whether it's helping the community or helping um, uh, the people that work with us, then uh, I think that we're doing the right thing by making sure we place that investment. Two hiring fairs coming up in the Tri-Cities and in Walla Walla, the first on Wednesday, October 27th at Richland at the Community Center from 2 to 7 in the afternoon. And then the next day in Walla Walla at the Marcus Whitman Hotel, also from 2 to 7, another in-person hiring event at Providence St. Mary in, in Walla Walla and Cadillac Regional Medical Center here in the Tri-Cities. We have a few more minutes to spend with Tovey. We'll talk about that right after this. 
You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610-KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, continuing our discussion with Toby Sutton, the Heat Chief Human Resources Officer at Cadillac in Providence, St. Mary in Walla Walla. Two upcoming job fairs happening across all areas of the healthcare spectrum, back-to-back events, one of them October 27th in the Tri-Cities. It's 2 to 7 p.m. at the Richland Community Center, and then the next day on the 28th down in Walla Walla at the Marcus Whitman Hotel from 2 to 7 p.m. And, Toby, I uh, want to spend a few minutes uh, with you. You're relatively new to the Tri-Cities. I know you're uh, still living a little bit of a nomadic lifestyle, but you're new to this community and in a role uh, leading the H- human resources effort for the Providence and Catholic facilities in this part of the region. What brought you to the Tri-Cities? Uh, you glad to be here, I'm hoping? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the, the Tri-Cities, so I grew up in western Montana, and um, I left Montana and spent nearly 21 years with the U.S. Coast Guard. So uh, I'm a Coast Guard veteran, and that nomadic lifestyle you, <laughs> style you alluded to is kind of uh, something that I know very well. Uh, but anyway, when I saw the, the um, opening and I was looking to transition into the next phase of my life, um, I... I I, I saw healthcare first off, and I, that humanitarian mission really kind of resonates with me because it's just like the U.S. Coast Guard. Um, our job was to help people, and in healthcare, it's to help people and, and serve a community. And so that was really that was a really big draw for me. And then when I saw it was the Tri Cities, growing up in Western Montana, I, I visited the Tri Cities a ton, and the Walla Walla here, Southeast Washington, and, and so it wasn't foreign to me. It was actually pretty comforting. Um, we have family in all directions, and this area especially is such a great place to raise um, a family. And I, I have children just like many others, and we feel very comfortable with everything that they're going to experience here in, in this area. And interesting, the the human resources world, I'm guessing that's the, the, the profession that you, you were involved with in, in your Coast Guard service. Uh, it was interesting to me to hear those similarities between a healthcare world and obviously the 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 Coast Guard service, the the service of others. Yes, um, that that was really one of the major draws for me was because uh, that correlation with the Coast Guard, um, like I was saying, was all about helping people, and it's it's the type of service where the the mission is is um, is extremely humanitarian, kind of like I was talking. Healthcare is exactly the same. And your whole mission, your whole goal is a higher calling to try to help other people. Uh, there is no individualism. It's 100% about being a piece of a team that's trying to accomplish a greater good. And with the Coast Guard, that the human resources, um, I was a human resources officer, and that's what I did for over 20 years. And so Coming over to healthcare with the same type of mission uh, and human resources is human resources. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's the same for the government. It's the same for private. It's the same for public. It's the same in healthcare. And I was going to say, uh, it's a part of of any uh, profession or any business that is so vitally important because, as we touched on in the last segment, 
you know, it's it's the entree into the company, and and obviously in a healthcare setting, those are the people that are they're the lifeblood of your organization. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, with human resources, it it doesn't just start um, with hiring. There's there's so much more to the entire system. So it's one thing to find the right people with the right characters that have the same goals and mission as as the rest of us on the team. But it's another to make sure that their experience is so, as um, extraordinary while they're actually here working side by side with us. And so culture, creating that environment, making sure we invest in people, treat them like humans um, and not like a number. That's extremely important with this organization. And I know that's one of the things that, that has me extremely excited and happy to be aboard. And certainly during the pandemic, the strain that it's placed, that, that last point that you made about taking good care of your people is, is ever so important. Toby, thanks so much for taking the time with us. Welcome to the community. We look forward to uh, getting to know you and, and learn more about your world. Uh, again, these two in-person hiring events happening October the 27th here in the Tri-Cities, 2 to 7 p.m. at the Richland Community Center. The following day on October the 28th from 2 to 7 at the Marcus Whitman Hotel in Walla Walla to help uh, the workforces at both Catholic Regional Medical Center and Providence St. Mary Medical Center in Walla Walla. Again, our thanks to Toby, to Heather Hill, and thank you for listening to Catholic on Call. We'll talk again next Wednesday night.